It's time for CBB 365 with your hosts, Adam Hipsky and Patrick Dallahan. Okay, and welcome to the ACC preview 2021-2022. We are joined by a very special guest, Scott Spinelli. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Adam. Uh, so we can just dive right into it. Uh, we'll talk about uh, a team that this ACC was not as good as it has been in previous years. Kind of a down year last year, looks to bounce back this year. But we can start with a team coming off a four seed last year in the Virginia Cavaliers. Lose some guys, bring some guys back. Scott, what do you expect to see from Virginia this year? Well, Adam, if you look at Virginia's roster, obviously they lost a lot. And their front court, they lost three guys who are all on NBA rosters today. But the one thing about a Coach Bennett coach team and his staff, uh, as we all have seen, is the University of Virginia's identity defensively is something that year in and year out has shown that they're going to be able to compete with anybody in the ACC and in the country for that matter. I think this year, a little bit different makeup. Uh, Kia Clark, obviously, and Beekman, those two guards are probably, in my, in my mind, two of the best defensive guards in terms of pressure, applying pressure on the basketball. And when you put them in the pack line and they work so closely together as a, as a team defensively, they're going to be a team, you know, this year, again, as their, as their defense goes, Adam, Virginia is going to go. And we all know their defense is as good as any uh, in the country. Yeah. I think Virginia might not be as good a three point shooting team. We've seen them have some honestly pretty bad three point shooting teams over the year, but it's not, uh, necessarily what they need under Tony Bennett. So, and, and no Jay Huff as well, which I think makes a big difference. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much you guys have seen of the kid Gardner, Jalen Gardner. I mean, he's not uh Jaden Gardner. He's not a, uh, as much of a, he's more of a rugged type player than remember the kid keys that they had, but he's a very gifted scorer and um, he can score around the basket. He's crafty. Uh, you know, he, he, you know, mid range, he's got a tremendous face up mid range game. I think they'll probably pick and pop him more towards the mid range than the three point line. But again, you know, he is efficient from the three point line. And that's the one thing about Virginia guys, as we know, with that mover blocker, with some of that, you know, triangle game is some of the things that they run offensively. They do a really good job of putting their guys in position uh, to play to their strengths. And I think you'll see Virginia this year, different makeup. They may, like you said, they don't have the three point shooting on paper, uh, but the young man from New Zealand, Tane Murray, I don't know how much you guys have seen of him, but you know, he's a very confident kid who can really shoot the three point shot. And Statman is, is back too, right? Like he was uh you know, hopefully he's okay. I know he had a little bit of a um, heart, heart issue, cardiac issue last year. Hopefully he's okay. But, you know, he's shown flashes even, you know, against us when we were at Boston College. Um, you know, he can shoot the three. He's got a, he's a good straight line driver, very quick first step. Um, he's excellent, you know, coming off those mover blocker uh, screens, reading screens. So I think he's going to be a weapon. And, guys, I don't know what you guys think, Adam, but I love Beekman. I think Beekman is one of the – better guards in the ACC. He showed signs last year of brilliance. Um, and then you got Kie, uh, you know, the head of the head of the snake there. I mean, and he's won a national title. So I would not discount Virginia uh, based on their losses. Um, I think the culture there, you know, is so strong. Their defense is as good as any. We've talked about that. And then offensively, 
you know, that mover blocker and their efficiency. I think they've addressed some needs. And the young man from Virginia, what's uh, Franklin? Armand Franklin is another catch and shoot yeah. three point shooter. So, and they're proven, right? Those guys are experienced. They're proven. Um, you know, I, I think they're a little bit uh, probably, um, you know, maybe, maybe not on the top of the ACC line, you know, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him there, you know, come February. Yeah, and you talk about when you talk about Reese Beekman, you talk about K.A. Clark and Armand Franklin, the transfer from Indiana. How do you expect kind of Franklin to get fit into this loaded backcourt already with Beekman, K.A. Clark? I mean, Armand Franklin's a really talented guy. How do you think Tony Bennett goes about fitting Franklin into that rotation? Well, they can play a lot of different ways with Franklin. I mean, they can play him at that small forward position, right? That three guard spot. Um, he's an excellent three-point shooter, catch and shoot. I don't know how much you guys have seen of him. I know when he was at Indiana, um, you know, if you really got a chance to watch him. Um, and, you know, one thing that we talk about a lot, Adam and Jake, you know, um, as a coach, as a coaching staff, is when you're recruiting, obviously you want to fill voids, right? But what's really important is system fits. And I think Coach Bennett and his staff with Franklin, you know, uh, really identified some great system fits. With Gardner coming in, a guy that put up huge numbers at East Carolina, uh, seen him in high school, he's a real rugged guy. And then you put Franklin in there, who's an excellent catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, uh, uses screens exceptionally well. And when you think of that mover and blocker system, you know, it's not an easy offense to defend. And when you've got a guy like Franklin that knows how to use screens and really a great catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, I think he's a great system fit. Yeah, I think they're going to need some of those transfers to make up for losing Hauser and, and Trey Murphy. But um, we'll move on to the probably the favorite in the ACC, I would say, which is Duke. Um, last year for Coach K, I guess before we get into their team, what can you tell us about coaching against Coach K from, from your experience? Well, you know, anytime you play against a Coach K team, you know, and especially in Cameron, you know, you, you can't help but just say to yourself, wow, you, you know, you're, you're competing against probably, uh, arguably, you know, one of the best, you know, coaches in modern day history with the success that he's had over the years. I don't know how much you guys uh, or if you've been in Cameron, but, you know, for, for him to take that Duke program and, you know, when we talk about upgrades and facilities, everybody's got, you know, you guys get the dome and there's so many, uh, tremendous venues in the ACC, but what Duke has done is really, uh, it's traditional, right? It's tradition. They have great tradition in Cameron and coach K has been a huge part, um, you know, of building a program, not necessarily with, you know, the, all the bells and whistles that some of these other places have. And he's done an unbelievable job at recruiting. And anytime you coach against them, you know, his team is going to play exceptionally hard. You two guys, I don't know, you're a little bit younger. Maybe you do. I'm sure you've seen the, the footage. But, I mean, one thing about Duke that will always be synonymous with Coach K and the program is when all five of those guys come over, when you come over half court and you see the, all the Duke players get down and slap the floor and get in that defensive stance. Um, you know, Duke has been built on their tenacity. They play exceptionally hard, as we know. Any Coach K team is going to get after you. Um on the defensive end of the floor and they've kind of reverted more, you know, he has at least in terms of, again, playing more like a pro style of play on both ends. Right. 
Offensively, they really do a nice job at, you know, simplifying their offense. They don't change their sets much, but what they do do a great job of is exploiting matchup problems. And that's more of an NBA, you know, type setting, right? When you take advantage of your player strengths and you exploit a matchup and coach K has done that, uh, especially over the last several years, as well as anybody in the country and, uh, you know, again, it's it's an honor to coach against them, to compete against them as an assistant and as the head coach. And uh, you can't help but um, kind of be a little bit sad for the game, not only for Duke, but for the entire college basketball game, losing uh, and him getting ready to retire. If we go into their actual team, they lose Jalen Johnson to the NBA. They lose Matthew Hurt, two of their better players last year, although they didn't have Johnson at the end of the year. Um, but they replace those two guys with the uh, big recruit, Paolo Banchero, and then also Theo John, the transfer from Marquette. Um, how do you see those two guys fitting in with Duke? Well, Paolo Banchero, to me, is a generational talent. And, you know, that's a strong statement. Um, he is perhaps, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go on record saying, I think he's the best passer in all of college basketball at 6'10". He's an except, exceptional passer. Um, he's a guy that is just oozing um, with NBA, uh, you know, uh, potential just because of the way he he plays. He's a guy that can go in and away from the basket. Uh, there's been times, you know, that he'll he'll be on the ball, bring the ball up the floor at 6'10", 250 pounds. So he's exceptionally skilled. He can step away from the basket, shoot the three. He's also a guy that, you know, has a face-up game, you know, beyond the three-point line, catch and rip. And then he'll go to perimeter post. But, you know, he's athletic. He, he's, again, I think he's a generational-type player in terms of a guy that not only is, is going to be an NBA pro, I think he has a chance if he continues to work hard, you know, stays healthy, to be a guy that uh, makes a huge impact in the NBA. Um, but he's, I'm telling you guys, perhaps the best passer in all of college basketball um, is, is, to me, is Paolo Blanchero. Um, and then, you know, you made reference, I'm not sure, you know, you talk about some of the other guys, um, you know, Keels from D.C., I don't know how much you guys have seen of him. Uh, he's a very talented, uh, you know, guard. He can kind of play a couple of different guard spots, but he can score. He can fill it up. Uh, and then, you know, AJ, uh, you know, Griffin, you know, I mean, Griffith, who to me is another guy that's going to be um, a guy that can get to the NBA, make a huge impact. Um, you know, he's very, very talented, you know, can score all three levels. Um, you know, I, I like their team, uh, their newcomers to me, um, you know, we're all going to be guys that I don't know if they're not going to have as much of an issue in getting those guys to play together because they're all unselfish guys in terms of trying to make their team better um, in terms of making uh, the right play. I don't think those guys are going to come in and dominate the basketball. And I think uh, it's going to be an easier transition this year with the group of guys that they brought in with the returners at Duke um, to blend, blend them in pretty fast and have a really good year. We'll move now to Tallahassee, talk about Florida State. Um, big transfer for them is uh, Cam Fletcher from Kentucky, but um, they've had a stretch over the last few years of real high NBA draft picks. Uh, what do you expect from the Seminoles this year? Well, their def it all starts with them with their depth and their defense. Uh, I'll give you a funny story. Uh, last year in the NCAA tournament, um, 
uh, a good friend of mine who coached against him actually sent me a text. And as I looked down, I read the text. He said, I got one question for you. How do we score against Florida State? <laughs> and they were getting ready to play him in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, what they've done down there, guys, is just uh, remarkable, uh, just in terms of being able to culture. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier uh, in the year. The one thing that you guys know this from playing and being around good teams and good coaches, but a lot of times, you know, you'll ask your team, hey, come on in, guys, you know, on three family or on three together. And I don't think there's a better college basketball program um, as it relates to, you know, connectivity, togetherness, um, you know, than Florida State. They are as connected a group as, in a, and that's a tribute to the culture that's been created there. And anytime you could take lottery picks off the bench who are uh, sacrificing their time in terms of playing time, uh, their shots in terms of how many shots they get for the benefit of the team, um, to me, in this day and age is an incredible statement, um, an incredible accomplishment. And, you know, look, guys, I mean, think about it like this. When those guys step on the floor for Florida State, because they play 9-10 deep, they play so hard for the time that they're out there that, you know, it's a huge, huge advantage for them. Um, and to me, it all starts with their defense. I mean, they're long um, they get in the gaps. Uh, they really do a really good job in switching to increase pressure. Um, you know, even when you think you're open, um, they close out and they run you off the three-point line. And, you know, they, they help, they help the helper. So they're a very, very, um, to me, driven team by their defense. And uh, a lot of it starts with the depth in their recruiting. Um, and although they lost some guys, they're still going to be Florida State uh, with that culture that we just talked about. Yeah, and I think Leonard Hamilton hit the transfer portal just about as hard as anyone in the ACC. As I mentioned, he brought in Cam Fletcher from Kentucky, but also Caleb Mills from Houston, who was uh, the preseason AAC player of the year. You mentioned the length on their team every single year. I'm looking at their roster right now. There's four players over seven feet tall. <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. It really is amazing. Um you know, and think about it like this, um, Jake, when, you know, Florida State um, and, and when they step on the floor, you know, it's one thing to talk about it on paper. And then when you get out there, you're playing against it. You know, we used to practice at times, guys, at Boston College. We used to put six guys out there sometimes just to go against our scout team, just to kind of simulate, you know, uh, as, you know, the length that they had in terms of being able to get in passing lanes, get in the gaps, close out, recover, um, you know, and again, it's something that you can talk about, but you really don't know or really can't get a feel for it until you're out there actually facing it. Yeah, it's uh, definitely one of the most consistent programs, I would say, of late in the, in the AAC, ACC. And, uh, and yeah, just a, a crazy good defensive team always. Yeah, and they got, they got talent too, right? They got a lot of talent. And as you mentioned, Mills is, you know, tremendous talent. Fletcher, um, they bring back some really good players too now. Um, you know, I was pronouncing his name incorrectly. It's Poli, right? Not po po polite, polite. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, and he, he's a guy that just does everything to help his team win. Um, you add, you know, uh, Wyatt Walker, um, you know, uh, Raekwon, um, is it Evans, Evans, is it yep. Gray or Evans? I'm sorry, which one of them is back? Raekwon. Yeah, Evans um, is back. 
Evans is back. Um, and, you know, you talk about the collection of players that they have. Uh, Osborne, the transfer from Rice. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a, he really plays exceptionally hard. He's developed. And I think some of the things that, you know, with Florida State, too, that you kind of take, they don't get enough credit for is their development, their individual development. They do a really good job at developing their players um, to be complete, you know, skilled guys. Um, so yeah, look for Florida State again with that culture. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna be a team that I'm sure is gonna be right there at the top of the ACC this year. And then we'll move on to Virginia Tech. Uh, they returned a, a huge piece, a former second teamer last season, in Kivi Aluma. They lose some pieces uh, coming off uh, a season that they were a nine seed. They lose a lot, uh, but you bring back a couple important guys. You bring back Mutz and Aluma. Do you think that this team can be get back to the big dance this year? Well, it's funny. We were talking about Virginia Tech a lot recently, and, and you know, Coach Young and what he's you know kind of created there. Nothing that they do really, you know, like kind of jumps off after you off, off a statistic a stat sheet, right? They're always kind of like that team that's, you know, um, top half in every statistic. But what he's created there is, is a team that just plays every possession on both ends exceptionally hard. They're, they're another team that's very well connected. They're together. Um, and when you look at their roster, obviously – you know, uh, Alumer is a kid that, you know, you think back, he averaged three points a game at Wolford in the Big South. And to see his progression, what a great story for all younger people out there, younger players. And that, you know, sometimes a lot of these kids get caught up and I'm not ranked. And, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm a kid that should be ranked or I'm not as good as that guy. To me, I think Alumer kind of speaks to, hey, look, you know, every guy has his own path. Every player has their own path in terms of their physical and mental maturation. And when you watch a loomer, you see a kid that went from three points a game as a freshman in the big South at Wolford to seven points a game as a sophomore. Um, and then he sits out a year, comes into the ACC. And now again, you know, credit goes to him and the coaching staff at Vatek um, for, you know, the development on, you know, his, his body, he's got bigger, stronger, he's skilled. He can step away from the basket, shoot threes. He's a really good passer, very efficient offensive player. And then obviously defensively, he gets after you too. So, you know, it's going to really, um, their, their, their team this year, Alum is going to be that guy. I mean, and the other kid that really came on at the end of the year last year, guys, was Alani. Um, you know, he had 28 in the NCAA tournament against Florida. Um, you know, uh, really shoots it. A kid that, again, you know, the latter part of last season, you know, excuse me, he really developed into a kid that I believe is going to be consistently one of their better guys. Um, I think on paper, it might not show, but I think his presence missing Beatty, uh, losing Beatty is going to be a big part, a big loss for them because, you know, as you guys know, uh, you know, BD is a guy that just makes all those winning plays, you know, and your, your defense starts with great pressure on the ball. And BD's been that guy for Virginia Tech for four years. So they're going to have to replace him and his presence. He's just the uh, consummate winner. But they do have, uh, you know, a lot of good pieces returning. They have some good, you know, newcomers, transfers coming in. Another kid from Wolford, they got the shooter, um, you know, um, I think his name now, the shooter that they brought in from uh, Wolford, um, 
he's coming yes. in this year too. Storm Murphy. Yeah, Murphy. I mean, he's he's. I think he's made over two hundred. Actually, he has two hundred twenty threes over his time at Wolford, and he also can make his teammates better. And he's a tough, hard nosed, defensive minded kid. So that's another huge addition for them, um, bringing him in. And especially again, he played for Coach Young, so I'm sure he's familiar with the system too. And then we'll move our way to Chapel Hill. Uh, first year head coach Hubert Davis takes over for the legend Roy Williams. Before we really talk about the North Carolina team, so to speak, do you expect kind of a different style under Hubert Davis, or do you think it'll kind of pick up right where we left off with with Roy Williams? Well, I think Coach Davis will, um, you know, the team will take on his personality, uh, you know, this year and moving forward. But what's really been neat about Carolina is how they've kept it kind of in the family, right? Like Hubert Davis played there, all of the coaches on staff, um, are guys that, you know, bleed North Carolina, that powder blue. They've all been there. They've played there. Uh, they've coached there. So I would think they're going to continue on with the system um, as is. Um, I'm sure they'll make some changes. Every head coach does. But in, in, in terms of their identity, I think they're going to really get up and down the floor as they always have on misses and makes and transition, really get out and run. I think defensively, they're going to get out, you know, they get up after you, um, you know, try to create some offense from their defense. And, um, you know, I think Carolina is going to be the same type of, you know, system, but obviously with a different head coach and, but they've got all those Carolina guys there, uh, you know, Adam um, on staff. And I'm sure the identity of Carolina will not change from what we just talked about. So now we'll kind of take a dive into actual North Carolina and, and the team that they, they have this year. Uh, Hubert Davis kind of hit the transfer portal. You, you talk about uh, another coach, uh, Leonard Hamilton, did the same. Dawson Garcia, a transfer, and Brady Manick, uh, two guys that played at a high level in the Power Six. Those two guys come into a team that, that has some experience guard play. How do you think you kind of balance that with the, with the returning guys that you have and then, and then putting them in the backcourt uh, with some experience? Well, both guys you just mentioned, uh, Garcia and Manic, have proven, um, you know, guys who have really, um, you know, shown uh, unbelievable production. Um, one at Marquette and Garcia and Manic uh, from Oklahoma. And Manic obviously really, I think it was one game he had eight threes, and he can really shoot the basketball. Ball, right. And then Garcia is another guy that plays, you know, he's skilled. He can do it from all three levels. He, they both add versatility. And I think that's one of the key components right now in recruiting. Obviously you want to address three point shooting. It's very important that you recruit shooters this day and age with that three point line. Um, it's, it's a huge part of what every coach in their, in their recruiting uh, emphasis, you know, it has to be, but at the same time, I think, you know, the versatility, side of it too a lot of teams are switching um you know man to man you know they'll switch one through four some teams switch one through five like florida state um and i think versatility is a key part uh, of, of what you just mentioned with those two guys they can play them at different positions you can do a lot of things with them switching and to your point adam they do have a lot of good returning guards coming back um and you know you, you kind of look at carolina's roster and they're another team that you know could be sneaky good this year 
Um, and, and with that, guys, you guys cover this. I, I know, Jake, you do, and I'm sure you do too, Adam. That transfer portal has another, is another thing that's just changed the landscape of college basketball uh, in that now you can actually get a proven uh, guy from any level of Division One and Division Two for that matter, if you want, um, and you can bring him in uh, uh, to your program and somebody that you know has experience, that has been there, that has done that. And that's a huge advantage, you know, especially if you lose guys to the NBA. I know when we were at Boston College, you know, we kind of thought we turned it that year four, and then we lost, you know, Robinson to the lottery. And unfortunately for us, we didn't have a, a transfer portal at that time. And so having that portal, um, and if you develop players like we all like to do, and they can get to the NBA, which is, you know, obviously the goal, that transfer portal is a game changer um, and one that you can address recruiting needs with an experienced player. And Carolina did that exceptionally well. A team on the opposite end that got hit real hard by the transfer portal. I know we texted about it a little, but Syracuse lost Quincy Garrier to Oregon, Kadari Richmond to uh, Seton Hall, and then Alan Griffin went to the draft. Um, that's most of their offensive production outside of the guard spot right there. Um, they brought in some new guys. Where do you think they're at? Well, look, I, this is, we talked about this too. Um, you know, Jake, I think with Syracuse, um, they did lose a lot. You know, those, those are some talented guys that you just made reference to, but the one thing that they did address in recruiting and they continue on this path, um, they have some weapons behind that three-point line. And look, I, you know, I, we all remember when, you know, Buddy was playing at Brewster and, you know, he's slowly developed into a guy that I truly believe is a kid that's going to play for a long time after college. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, has great size. Um, he's a little bit more skilled than people think he is. And he's an exceptionally good three-point shooter. Um, you know, I remember when I, we first got the job at Boston College, you guys might like this story because I might not be sitting here today where I'm at, but this is a funny story. I, uh, we got the job at Boston College. I got a call from a good friend of mine out in uh, New Hampshire, believe it or not. And he said, hey, coach, um, you know, we've got a kid here that's transferring from a Division three school that you got to look at. And, you know, he's someday I think that could help you at Boston College. And I'm like, oh, scratching my head, like, really? Who would that be? And so uh, make a long story short, when the evaluation period opened, I went out and saw him practice, work out. And I called Coach Christian. I said, Coach, you're not going to believe this, but there's a kid right now transferring from a Division three program that would be our best player. And his name was Duncan Robinson. And so, you know, he was leaving Williams. And I guess the point I'm making about Buddy is, you know, there's no reason why in my mind that he's a kid that can't do you know, at least what, you know, Duncan has done in, at the next level. And he's a special player. And then you add all those other guys, Benny Williams, I don't know what you guys have seen of him. He's just oozing with potential. Obviously he's a freshman. It's going to take a little, little bit of time to get used to the speed, but the fact that he went to IMG and he got that, you know, he got that, he played against some really good competition. Uh, he's an exceptional talent. And, um, you know, Torrance, you know, you're a local kid for you guys from your area, they reclassed them, had a decent, you know, really nice freshman year there. And this year, you know, a little bit, um, you know, hit or miss, but I think he's going to help you guys. Cole Swider from this area, local kid from Rhode Island, 
a guy who can really shoot the three and you can play him on the back line of that zone. I think that was probably the thing with him. I mean, the system, you know, he's a guy that defensively, you know, maybe wasn't as good in terms of playing man to man. Um, and I think he's developed and he's gotten better at that. But if you put him in the back line of that two, three, he can cover ground with his length. I think he's going to help you guys too. Um, and Jesse Edwards, you know, he came on like gangbusters last year in the NCAA tournament. Um, and then you got Sadibi. Uh, hopefully he's healthy, right? I, I don't know. You know, he, I know he was hurt last year, but, you know, when you talk about the two, three zone and having those shot blockers back there, um, you know, a kid like him, you know, it, it, it's a game changer too, right? I think they're, they, losing him last year hurt them and and as we've all seen you guys know better than I do but you know when Syracuse gets in all they got to do is get in that NCAA tournament and when they get in you know it's not a fun matchup for anybody to try to prepare for a coach behind uh you know coach uh two three zone uh in, in a short time with preparation yeah I, I think the zone's gonna look a little different this year I mean Dolajai really ended up being the middle guy for the back half of the year and their whole tournament run. He kept saying, kept saying Edwards wasn't ready. Edwards wasn't ready. Edwards wasn't ready. He played well. Dolishai took the majority of the minutes. Now he's gone. Kadari Richmond was really good. Led the ACC in steals per game at the top of the zone. He's gone. I don't know how I feel about Gerard at the top of the zone. I, I think he's small and a little slow. What do you think the zone looks like this year from a defensive standpoint for Syracuse? Well, I, I got to tell you, when it comes to their team this year, I, you know, Gerard is somebody that, you know, when you talk about going into your third year, right, this is his junior year, um, I think he's going to take huge strides. I mean, he can really shoot, as we all know that, for deep range. But I think he got better, and I think he put more effort into what Coach Beheim wanted him to do in the zone. I think he's going to he's, – he's familiar with – um, you know, the college game he's played, you know, he's been there, done that now. And I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a lot more active out there. Um, and then you talk about um, coach uh, Jimmy Beheim, right? Jimmy Beheim coming in from uh, Cornell is another guy that, you know, when you average that many points, was it 16 and a half or close to 17 at, at Cornell? Um, that's not an easy thing to do in the Ivy League. There's some good players in the Ivy League. And, um, you know, he's a guy that's going to, you know, give them also um, a lot of help in the zone just because he can cover ground. And they can go a lot of different ways, right? I mean, they can play, you know, small, you know, as you just mentioned, with their, you know, some of those guys up top, or they can even go big if they want. They could even throw Benny Williams at the top of that zone if they wanted to uh, and, and really be big across the back line. And um, so I, I think the zone is going to be really good, as it is always, guys. It's just so hard to prepare for it because – the way they um, they get out on shooters, the way they those wings are extended, and then when you think you're open, <laughs> when you think you have an opportunity to score, um, you know they're so well drilled that especially those backline guys and the middle guy in terms of helping each other out, and you know we call those flying walls. They come and they get their arms straight up in the air, and they get their chest in you. It's not a foul, and then somebody from the zone comes behind you and blocks your shot. I mean. I think, again, you know, they're going to be a team that's going to be really, really good in that zone just because they're so well drilled, well schooled at it. Um, I'm not looking at the zone at all in terms of uh, maybe take, taking a, you know, a hit because they might have one or two smaller guys at top at all. In my mind, I think they're going to be really good at it. 
And then we'll go to Louisville, a team that Chris Mack had nothing short of a busy offseason, uh, lost seven guys uh, from a difference between uh, transfers and leaving the team due to personal reasons. And then you have another two guys, a really talented backcourt, one of the best in the ACC last year. He loses both of those guys, Carly Jones and David Johnson. The two leading scorers, using your two leading scorers, uh, as a coach, uh, from the experience that you have, that you've obviously had, how do you go about that coming into a season where you lose two guys as important as Carly Jones and David Johnson were to Louisville? How do you replace that production, both coming from the backcourt? Well, guys, I can tell you this. Uh, other guys on that team, their roles are going to change, right? So there's some other guys who are very capable that probably didn't get an opportunity opportunity in terms of uh, minutes and, and um, you know, opportunities to show what they can do. And the one thing about recruiting, you know, you've got 13 guys that you can recruit on scholarship, right? So, you know, from a coaching standpoint, you're always working um, your players to try to get better. You know, a lot of the stuff, not just on the floor, individual workouts, group workouts, weight training, strength and conditioning, uh, nutrition, and you're really, you know, preparing for things that you just mentioned. It's hard to replace those guys in terms of just one guy or maybe, uh, you know, a guy that maybe was a role player. But you do it collectively as a team. And I think, you know, um, Coach Mack had brought some really good players. And look, Mack Cross, guys, you know, another kid from this area, you know, he showed flashes at Miami. He's really good. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, is um, he can really shoot the three. He's got great size to him. Um, you know, you bring guys like that in and then you blend it all together with a lot of the returners and the other newcomers. I think you make up for those two guys that you just mentioned in terms of losing them, you know, collectively as a team. And you continue to individually develop your players to the best of your abilities and you get them better and better. And then this is about opportunity, right, Adam? Now other guys get a chance to step up and uh, this is their time, right? And that's kind of I'm sure the message Coach Mack and his staff have, have uh, you know, have kind of given to a lot of those guys that didn't see as much time or the newcomers. And then Coach Mack uh, obviously suspended for the first six games of this season. Do you think that that's much of a distraction for this team heading into the season? Or do you think it's kind of, you know, it's been set in place since the end of August? Do you think that this suspension has kind of passed the team's mind? They understand that they're not going to have their coach for the first six games. Do you think that really changes uh, this team when it comes down to off the court? Not really. I, I think, again, um, you know, you have obviously Coach Max, an excellent coach. He's got a great staff. And I'm sure they're working closely together with the guys. And, and, and once they get out on the floor, you know, when you've been in practice um, as a, whether you're the head coach or the assistant coach, um, you know, the, the players are familiar with your voice. They see you. Um, I think the, the, there's this misconception out there that when you're an assistant, there's this huge change when you kind of move over to being a head coach. And I'm not sure that's the case uh, in, in all circumstances. I think if you're an experienced coach, one that's kind of been an assistant for a long time um, and you understand, you know, that you're pretty much doing, you know, you're coaching, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're the head coach of the scout team. You're the head coach in a scrimmage game with the team. You're handling a lot of the day-to-day, -day, the scouting, you know, reports. You're doing a lot of things that a head coach does. So I think, Again, it's probably a distraction just kind of reading about it for, for, for the kids. But once 
they get out there, they hear those coaches' voices. They know them. They're watching film with them. Um, you know, they're doing class checks. I mean, a lot of those guys, those kids that have been recruited, have relationships with those coaches. And so, yeah, it's, it's obviously not a, you know, um, it's not definitely not an advantage to lose the head coach. But um, I don't think it's as big um, once you start playing because there is so much familiarity, Adam, amongst the, with the players and all of the coaches uh, and the staff for that matter. Yeah, and you, when you look at the Louisville schedule, I mean, they open with Southern, Furman, Navy, Detroit, and they go to the Bahamas, play Mississippi State, and then either Maryland or Richmond. They'll have Chris Mack back by the time they go to Michigan State for the ACC Big Ten Challenge and then start ACC play. So I think they'll be fine. Yeah, but, you know, you never know, right? I mean, this is um, – I think once – you guys know this. I mean, you've seen it. Once you get into the season and, you know, the guys I'm sure right now, you know, what you're, we're less than a week away from opening night and the players are excited. Everybody's pumped up. They want to get going. They want to play against some different players. It's been a while now since they, they've actually even had crowds, right? Hey guys, I mean, there's not, there hasn't been any crowds We've been watching the kids play. So I think there's a lot of excitement and anticipation and, you know, yeah, it's no, no fun to have your head coach be out for a few games and it's, it's you know, you feel for the kids. But I, I, to your point, um, Jake, I think, you know, again, they'll be OK once the, they, the ball goes up and, you know, Coach Mack will eventually be back on that sideline sooner than later. All right. The last team we wanted to highlight today was Georgia Tech. They obviously won the ACC tournament last year. Uh, but they do lose a, a good bit of production. Two of their better players, Moses Wright and Jose Alvarado. Uh, they bring back Michael DeVoe, uh, Bubba Parham, Jordan Usher, all big parts of that team. Was that just sort of a perfect timing? Everything blended together for one big year for Georgia Tech? Or do you think they can repeat that this year? Well, when I look at Georgia Tech, Tech, I kind of look at, you know, we kind of had that same type of um, uh, program mindset that they had in terms of finding those under the radar guys and developing them. Um, and, you know, to Georgia Tech's credit, they identified Moses Wright, Alvarado, two kind of under the radar guys. Um, the biggest thing that they did was they were able to keep those guys in the program for four years. And I think um, when you have two guys like that who change the culture of Georgia Tech, it's a credit to Coach Passam and his staff that those other three guys that you just mentioned, uh, I mean, obviously DeVoe is, you know, he's an all-ACC type guy. He can really shoot it. He can score at all levels. Um, and then you add Usher and his energy and Parley, although he transferred in. Um, those three guys that now can share the, the experience and, and what it takes to help those other guys. And I think once you get to a point, which, you know, Georgia Tech did last year, winning the ACC tournament, um, I think a lot of those, again, a lot of the, those experiences now become somewhat habit, right, with those three guys in terms of, you know, giving the other kids the advice that it takes to play every possession, what it takes to win on the road, how to stay poised, how to play together, how to practice hard and, and, and establish great, you know, good habits. I think those three guys now are going to lead, um, you know, for Georgia Tech. And I, I don't think they're going to take a step back at, you know, obviously losing those two guys were really good players, but the culture has been created now. And, you know, that those zone, those different defensive looks that they, you know, they give you, you know, the tandem two, three, the one, three, one, they play some man, um, you know, they keep a lot of teams off balance and, 
Um, I, I'm looking for Georgia Tech to have another good season this year. Uh, again, they're going to miss those two players, but those three other guys have now have an ACC tournament championship, um, you know, under their belt. And I think that's going to bode well uh, for all the guys in the program moving forward. And that'll do it uh, for today's ACC preview. Scott, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. And listen, I had a lot of fun with you guys, and uh, I think both you guys do a really good job, um, you know, at really giving a, a lot of insight to the fans and, and uh, not just Syracuse, but throughout, you know, the country, especially the ACC fan base. So thank you for what you guys do. And anytime, I appreciate you having me on today, guys. Thank you. We appreciate it. And that'll do it for today's ACC preview on CBB 365. Thank you all for tuning in.